This is the BBC. This podcast is supported by advertising outside the UK. This is the BBC. This is Under the Weather from the BBC. With me, Claire Nazir and Simon King. In this podcast, we'll be joined by a range of experts as we answer some of weather's most interesting and challenging questions. Rain. Clearly you can hear it. You can see it. You can touch it, of course. Can you taste it? Oh, yes, I used to love tasting the rain, sticking out my tongue in a rainstorm. I was young then. But can you smell rain? And if we can smell it, what are we actually smelling? The scent of water is very subtle, but we're very connected to it. For some reason, and we don't really know why, we have this ability to detect this molecule at incredibly, incredibly low levels. If you're downwind of the storm that's coming towards you, you will smell it. I mean, it's just like hearing a train coming towards you. this is the point. I've heard that people can smell a storm coming and I'm not so convinced because I think I can definitely smell rain once it's fallen on the surface and you get that distinct smell from that. But I'm not so sure about this kind of smelling of a storm coming. What about you? I think you can smell a storm coming, but what are you actually smelling? I think we need to break it down. I'd love to know what are those constituent parts as the humidity rises, the cloud builds. I mean, we've been forecasters for many, many years. And most of our work has come from observing the weather, looking at clouds, analysing charts. But never have I really smelt the weather. Yeah, because when I was an observer um, at an RAF station doing some forecasting as well, you often kind of on a thunderstorm day, go outside for my hourly observation and you're staring up at the sky, you can see the black clouds and I certainly got a sense of it. You kind of thought, okay, this 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 cloud is going to go bang any minute now. And I could sense that. I never thought about smelling that, but I can sense it. Maybe it is all kind of linked in a little bit to your, your you know, overall sensory um, conditioning. I think what it is, we live in a country where there's a lot of rain. And so we're never really celebrating the onset of rain or anticipating it. And when it comes every day, maybe we become a little bit immune to that smell. But other parts of the world, maybe they smell something slightly different. Who knows? Maybe. So let's do a bit of atmospheric aromatherapy. What are the smells that we can smell? Where do they come from? Doesn't matter where you are, what time of year it is. And and does it have any impact on the smells that we have, you know, on life, on animals, on on us as humans? And so those are the questions we're going to answer. And to help us... We're going to have some pretty pretty decent experts, aren't we? We've got a great perfumer. We've got an atmospheric scientist. We've got a molecular biologist and an anthropologist. So a good team with us on so this one. With all those and our meteorological skills, I think we could answer this question as, can we smell the rain coming? So is there any truth in it or is it just a piece of weather law? We're going to find out. So as humans, Simon, we've obviously always relied on rain. Water is life-affirming. It means that we can eat, we can drink. 
through thousands and thousands of years. We've done rain dances, superstitions, we've talked about weather law. But is there any science behind the fact that we can perhaps smell a rainstorm coming? Well, the one word that I know that we can associate with the smell of rain, and that's petrichor. That's a great word. It is a great word, isn't it? Petrichor. Petrichor. So petra means stone. Ichor means fluids from heavenly bodies, but maybe heavenly blood. So where did it all start from? Where where's this word petrichor come from? Well, the essence of the word has been going for thousands of years, but it wasn't until the early 60s where it became a scientific word. And it became a scientific word back down in Australia. Now, in Australia, two scientists decided they were going to embark on an investigation to work out what, what really was the, the smell of rain. So this old guy called Richard Thomas, and he decided to publish a paper on it. But it was frowned upon by other scientists because it's quite a, a sort of a, a weak subject, really. The, not really a nitty gritty subject where there's a lot of science involved. But was that? So he hired an intern called Joy Bear, and together they published this paper in Nature. And they tried to identify the scent or the odours behind this smell, this petrichor smell. And what they discovered was that after a very, very dry spell, when the humidity starts to rise, that the stones and the dust and the dirt on the ground it exudes this, this scent. This scent comes from it. And it opens up because the humidity rises. So that's the first process. The second process, when the rain actually arrives and it hits the ground and it hits these stones and these clays and these soils. And that scent is actually magnified to a point that we can really smell it. We can really smell that amplified scent as it exudes into, into the air. So the point is that after a long, dry, warm spell, you get some rain, the rain hits the earth and then it ejects these molecules, these particles into the atmosphere. And that's the word or the smell, petrichor. I think we should bring in one of our first experts here. My name's Jim McQuaid and I work at the University of Leeds in the School of Earth and Environment. And I guess I describe myself as an atmospheric scientist, although my first degree was in chemistry. Now, he's got not one, but two great analogies for petrichor. Think about champagne bubbles. So you get the water hitting the surface and then there's basically fizzing inside this and then the bubbles being formed. And as the bubbles explode, just like a champagne glass, if you look at the top of the champagne glass, you'll see very, very fine mist coming up. And that's actually what's going up into the atmosphere. Another way of thinking about it, if you get a drum and you put sand onto the drum and then if you drop marbles onto the drum the sand's going to bounce up into the air. The aerosols, as we call them, they're, they're, they're absolutely tiny, so it doesn't take much disruption of the surface to lift them up. So that paints the picture really well, doesn't it, mm. of the marble coming down on the drum, the sand bouncing up. And it's like when you see those nature programmes as well, you know, they do this slow-mo, it's a really, really slow-mo of like a water droplet hitting a frog or something. <laughs> and, you, and you see the water droplet breaking up, exploding, and that's that whole idea of releasing these particles into the atmosphere. So something which is really mechanical becomes a chemical. So two processes there. I'm sort of back at school, really, but I understand exactly what he's talking about. So that's petrichor. Mm. So the word petrichor, is that the process or the smell? 
Well, in this study, it was the oils that came from the stone as the humidity rose and the rain slowly came. However, since then, it's become much more broad brush, much more of a generic term. So we're not actually smelling the rain. Generally, it's just the odours that come from the surface of the earth as the rain strikes. Exactly. So the smell you get depends very much on where you are because obviously different plant oils, uh, different trees, different surfaces, they will have different smells. So um, after the dry spell and you get a bit of rain in a forest, a pine forest, for example, it might smell a bit piney. You know, you get that lovely smell, Ooh, yeah. Christmas smell maybe. But now that's very different to the smell you'd get if you were in the city, in the tarmac. You know, if you get a, that warm tarmac and then the bits of rain fall onto that, you get a very different smell. I can smell it now, actually, that really tarmac-y smell. So it's all to do with what's going on right at the surface, within the rocks, within the soil. So in the countryside, the park or the garden, you're getting, you know, all those different plant oils. And there's a very particular smell that we get from soil. And that also has a great name. Geosmin. 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 Spell that for me, please. G E O S. Geos. M I N. Min. Geosmin. Geosmin. So, who's this guy? I'm Andy Truman, and I'm a project leader at the Department of Molecular Microbiology at the John Innes Centre, specialising in bacteria that live in the soil and the compounds that they make. So what is geosmin? Okay, so basically it's a molecule that's produced in the soil by bacteria and we're really quite sensitive to the smell actually. So once it's released, once this this molecule is released, we get that really earthy smell. The smell itself is effectively a, a soil smell. I mean that's what, you know, soil smells of geosmin rather than the evil, you know, so it's, it has this kind of musty earthy smell you know if you're in the garden and you you know dig up and turn some soil what you smell there is yeah. that kind of characteristic smell is geosmin for some reason and we don't really know why we have this ability to detect this molecule at incredibly incredibly low levels there's a, a scale called a, a part per trillion so mm. uh, 10 parts per trillion so if you have a trillion compounds you only need to be 10 of those to be geosamin to actually detect that smell I'm absolutely amazed that our noses are so sensitive to this scent, this smell. And it's not petrichor this time, it's part of petrichor, it's geosmin, which is almost organic, isn't it? It's all associated with rotting vegetables and sort of saturated soils. Yeah, that musty smell, that really earthy smell. Um, and actually, interestingly as well, it's, it's a smell, well, it's, a, it's a bacteria that's in our water. So in the reservoirs where the water is all stored, you've got geosmin in that as well. And they treat our water. They take the geosmin out of it because otherwise you'd be drinking a glass of water and you'd smell this kind of earthy smell, which wouldn't really be very nice to taste or to smell as you're drinking it. Well, does that mean we're more sensitive to the, the, the scent of smell in the outdoors than we would be? Or does that mean we're immune to it? Yeah, I, I don't know. It's 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 really interesting. And, and you said it, it appears on, on fruit and, and rotting fruit. And that can be a problem for wine producers as well. They, they have to kind of stop the grapes getting into that kind of time period when the geosmin will start to, to form on the grapes. 
and that sort of muddy taste of carp, that freshwater fish, although I have to say, leaving that alone. I don't, I don't eat much carp anyway, really, so I, I wouldn't know what that tastes like. So petrichor is like our generic name for the process and the scent, but then we can sort of hone it in a little bit and talk about the smell of bacteria, which is the geosmin. So we've got petrichor and we've got geosmin. But Claire, I've got a curveball... And a third smell, it depends on the time of year, because our nose is quite sensitive. So let's just talk about the nose first of all. Now, at the top and inside of our nose, we've got some hairs, and they're like little sensors, smell receptors, they're called. And the way they work is basically molecules within the air, which we can't see, obviously. They, they get wafted up your nose. They hit our smell receptors, and then you know, electronics, you know, a bit more biology that goes on and that your brain then processes those smells. And that's why we have smell. Now, in warm, moist conditions, these receptors work pretty well. But in cold, dry conditions, to protect themselves, they kind of go further into your nose, further into your head, and they don't work as well. So let's give an example. On a cold, crisp winter morning, you know, if you step outside, take a deep breath in, and it smells fresh. It smells clean, doesn't it? Now, that isn't necessarily the fact that you're smelling cleaner air. It's because your smell receptors aren't working as well. So you're not smelling the stuff that's in the atmosphere. So you're not smelling the nasty stuff that you would have done if it was warm and humid. So the the smell is always there, uh-huh. but we're not sensitive enough to it. So on a dewy morning, we're stepping out to our garden, you have that lovely sort of floral scent. That's because the humidity is higher than on some days when it's a lot drier and you don't smell those lovely flowers. The yeah, scent but... is still there, but we just can't can't pick it up. Exactly. And another, another, another analogy is... If you've got a, a, a brand of beer, for example, that you don't quite like, the idea is you just chill it, just put it in the freezer for a while, get it as cold as possible before it freezes, and then that beer will actually taste nicer because it's colder. You, you know, your smell receptors aren't working as well, so they can't, you can't taste it as well because they're all linked together, aren't they? Oh, I'm not a fan of beer, not even cold beer, but well, a nice just... warm red, uh-huh. that's why it has to taste so good because it's at that level where the humidity is slightly higher yep. and your nose has to like it. Exactly. Ah, oh, that's interesting. So it may be about the time of year, it may be about humidity levels, but some people are much better at smelling than others. Hello. Hi. I know this came up as FaceTime, but for some reason I'm only getting the audio. Let me see. Now, that really tired voice was the voice of Mark Cranes. He's head perfumer and CEO at Demeter Library of Fragrance. That's a great title, isn't it? (laughs) Now, he has a different approach to making perfumes. Uh, They're everyday smells that surround us. Weird and wonderful scents like clean skin, grass, dirt, fresh laundry, and yes, you've guessed it, (laughs) rain. One of the things that really interests me in general are the different ways that water can be treated. You know, the scent of water is very subtle, that ozone scent, but it is nevertheless a very important part. We're very connected to it. I know every time that I'm near a body of water, I immediately relax about two steps. 
that's always been a focus, and rain in particular. I was going for the idea of a warm, gentle summer rain on, on city pavement. That was supposed to be a very subtle city scent. That was the goal. So what does that bring up in your mind when you're smelling something like a, a summer rain in a city such as London or New York? Warm, transparent humidity. It's a much more subtle scent than, say, uh, a hard rain in the country. It's a very soft, enveloping experience for me. Almost that misting, which, which London is really good at, where you don't even know that it's qu- can't tell if it's quite raining or foggy. It's a natural event, but in an unnatural place. Do you reckon that you'd walk down the street, go into a bar smelling of rain? Absolutely, yes. Yeah. It's a great smell. Petrichor, a bit of geosmin. However, he did mention something else. He mentioned ozone. Ozone. Mm. Because there is ozone in the atmosphere, of course. We've got it in the stratosphere, which is the really high-level bit of the atmosphere. And at low levels as well. Low levels as well. Do you know what? I think we should talk to um, Dr Jim McQuaid again. And he might be able to kind of tell us if we can smell clouds and maybe the ozone is in the clouds. What's the smell of a cloud? It would probably smell quite clean, assuming it's, you know, it's a, it's a nice, pristine cloud as opposed to an urban area that's actually got some pollution in it or, or smoke or something like that. If you've got clouds, you get lightning. Just because you can't see lightning doesn't mean it's not happening so in the same way that lightning sometimes grounds you know comes down to the surface but doesn't always there's a lot of lightning that happens inside clouds that never actually leaves the clouds it's just a electrical discharge in the clouds but that high voltage produces ozone so an ozone is if you if you think about oxygen in the atmosphere that's two atoms of oxygen stuck together so we've got an oxygen molecule we call it o2 ozone is we take another oxygen atom and sort of bolt it on the side of the oxygen molecule so it's it's O3 so we've got three atoms of oxygen stuck together and that's ozone and you can smell ozone ozone is the smell if you go into a photocopier room that's ozone what's happening in the photocopier is you've got a high voltage discharge inside the photocopier generating ozone so you can smell exactly the same smell it's quite pungent in a you know in a photocopy room because quite often they're, they're not very well ventilated so do you know the word ozone actually comes from the greek verb to smell which is ozon ah right okay and we can actually smell ozone exactly but what's that got to do with smelling rain uh, that's a good question. I didn't really know that. But let's just say there are some big, nasty clouds, you know, the big cumulonimbus clouds. Uh, and they are raining. You know, you get a lot of rainfall from that. And those are our thunder clouds as well. So we get lots of lightning going on as, as well. Um, now, if you're downwind of that, the storm is creating ozone, as we've just heard from lightning. And Ah, so we can actually smell the ozone. That's right. You can smell the ozone coming from that cloud, which is a few miles down the road. But what does your guy, this scientist Jim, have to say about that theory? Thankfully, he kind of agreed with me. I wouldn't have a problem with that at all. If there's a storm or if there's rain coming, quite often there's there's some wind associated with it. So if you're downwind of the storm that's coming towards you, you will smell it. I mean, it's just like hearing a train coming towards you. And some people will have better hearing than others, I guess. So that's, that's an analogy. So some people are more sensitive to the smell of ozone than others. So some people go, oh, I can smell a storm coming. You know, whilst, the, you know, their friend might say, I've absolutely no <laughs> idea what you're talking about. But, you know, it's just the sensitivity to different smells. So going back to when I was observing, 
And I said that I was standing outside and I could see this big black cloud. And I went back downstairs and thought, right, this cloud's going to go bang any, any second. Maybe subconsciously then I was actually smelling the ozone. Maybe I, I just sensed it. You know, my senses working together that I could feel it. Subconsciously, I could smell the ozone and I just knew. So maybe you can or I could smell a storm coming. And maybe it's that scent, it's that odour, which we've been smelling for hundreds of thousands of years. It's part of our psyche. It's part of what has allowed us to survive as human beings and animals as well. Just in our subconscious. So are we happy what petrichor is? Yeah, I think so. So generically, petrichor is the, the smell once the rains arrive, coming from the surface of the earth, from stones, from dust, from soils. So that's where the geosmin comes into it, the nitty-gritty geosmin. And then we've also got the, oh, the ozone. ozone. Yeah. So those are the smells that we can associate with the weather, with rain and with thunderstorms. But does it all matter? The final thing I guess we need to look at is, does the smell matter in life? I think it probably does matter because it depends where you live on the earth. If you live in a country like the UK where we don't depend on rain, then we're not going to be as sensitive to it as if, say, you live in somewhere like India, where before the monsoon, the temperatures really rocket to 40, 50 degrees Celsius, and they really need the rain to cool down the air, not only that, for their crops, their agriculture. And it's really important, actually, in the Western Australian deserts, uh, known to you and me really as Ayers Rock. You know, you've got the classic redness of the landscape. But then when the rain comes, that all changes. Well, it does look a wonderful orangey red, sandy colour. But as soon as it rains, you get this incredible efflorescence of greenness coming up. Very, very bright green grasses, lots of little flowers. Um, succulents, and it, it can become very green very quickly, great sheets of green. So that was Dr Diana Young, and she's a senior lecturer in material culture at the University of Queensland. Uh, and she's an anthropologist who went to live in the Western deserts in Australia to live with the people. And she told me that the reason why she went there, first of all, really, was to look at colours, to study colours. So going from that red desert to the green deserts and she found that the scent of the greenness was just as important as the colours changing and that smell and that vision you know our senses they kind of overload a little bit and it was really important for the people there because it, it, it was a signal of life starting of those plants being created of animals coming to watering holes and the people wanted to celebrate that a little bit so they didn't want just to see the colour green, but they wanted to smell the colour green as well. Well, it's just a fantastic smell, which comes from all the, the eucalyptus oil that's on the ground. So you get the sort of smell of dust and eucalyptus oil, which is a little bit like Vicks, you know, that chest vapour <laughs> that we're used to. So you get this amazing smell just as those first drops hit the ground. And strangely enough, I travelled to the Red Centre and to Ayers Rock back in 1989 to witness 
you know, the redness and the desert, and it was the wettest winter on record. <laughs> and it was amazing. The vista was just so green. I didn't really expect it at all, but it was beautiful. So you've seen all this yeah. greenness then? Didn't see the red. Oh, dear. No. That whole greenness, she talks about life. She talks about the rains coming and these things growing. And I guess the petrichor smell that gets created by the rains coming can maybe you know, we don't know much about this, can it attract animals? But, you know, you can see how that could work. You know, if you can smell the petrichor, if we can smell petrichor, would animals be able to smell that? Would they follow their noses? Would they go to watering holes? And would the Aboriginal people then, you know, celebrate that? Because food has arrived, I guess, with the smell of petrichor. There's a particular scented aromophilia shrub that women use to make a rub, which they say is like Vicks, the sort of put it with different sorts of fat, margarine or fat from bullocks, and make a, a special body rub. And so that turns you into this odiferous body. But there are lots of other very, very green herbs that also have different smells, but on the whole they're classed as having the same sort of smell as eucalypt, which opens your, your, your airways, it makes you breathe freely, just as that lovely scent does when the rain hits the ground. So just like your perfume guy in New York, the native people in Western Australia actually use this stuff to celebrate life coming. So I think, do you know what, I think we've covered most things, haven't we? We've talked about the atmosphere. OK, so in the atmosphere, we know that Clouds and rain in the atmosphere doesn't necessarily smell, but it's ozone that smells. And we've talked about petrichor, the action of raindrops, the humidity before rising, and how the pores and dirt and rocks open up, allowing this scent to sort of exude into the atmosphere, which picked up by our noses. And I think we should just end by just saying petrichor again, because how beautiful is that word? So thank you for listening to this BBC podcast, Under the Weather. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did enjoy it, please give us a rating and a review wherever you get your podcasts from. Thanks for listening. Listener.